Oscar Poker. Pretty good, pretty good. How's I'm oh, hanging wash outdoors on a line. It's just the greatest thing. Don't you love yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because in Europe they don't use dryers like they do in America. It's very strange. I just love it. The simplest things are a lot of fun if you just let them happen, you know? Right, I know, I know. I, I remember that. It was kind of shocking for me when I first went back back in um, 1997 and I saw that nobody used um, that nobody used uh, dryers, mm. but they use hair dryers everywhere there. Like that's the thing. But they don't well, use in Paris. They do use dryer, dryers, at least in well, not this place I went in. But you have to. They have a very um, intricate and complex computerized system <clears throat> in which you have to put your money into one central bank and then uh, punch out the right codes in order to get the dryer to work and everything. It's like a big uh, uh, it took me a while to learn it, but they do have it in Paris. But I, but um, maybe right, down right. south, maybe Italy way, they don't have as much. So. Well, probably not in people's homes. But yeah, you can go pay to have it. Sure, you can go pay right. ten bucks or whatever it is. But I think it's just too expensive, you know, to have right. yeah. to have one in the home. And so they do. It's very normal to just hang things out, and they have very intricate ways of hanging things out on the balcony, like these cool little. Mm-hmm. Racks that you know, you mm-hmm. just take the clothes mm-hmm. out, you shake them out, you lay them over there, then you flip them over halfway through yeah. the day. You know, mm-hmm. just think of if we did that here, how much energy we would save. Yeah, it would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as I said many times before, t shirts, jeans, everything feels great when you put them on when they've been dried in the sun. It's wonderful. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, so shall we begin uh, by discussing uh, what happened over the weekend, box office-wise, Phil? I mean, it's already been reported, but we're uh, just chewing it over on Monday. Maybe some actuals have come in that have changed Sunday's picture. Um, can you summarize what ha- what happened, Phil? Yeah, sure. Um, no actuals in yet, but uh, you know, Madagascar won with uh, you know sixty point three. Jesus. Uh, yeah, um, and you know, you might as well call the movie 
you know, get the kids out of the house three. But, you know, that's that's basically what happened here. I mean, right. it was, you know, it's the first true, you know, family skewing movie of the summer. So parents brought kids to see it and it, it did well. Um, Prometheus did 50 million, which is basically right on with what we were expecting. Our prediction was 51. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty solid. And that, that opening indicates that, you know, it played beyond the kind of um, fanboy crowd, you know, the diehard fans of the, the original Alien movies. So mm. that's a reassuring thing. Um, but from what I'm seeing so far, word of mouth is not too enthusiastic. So I'm, I'm worried about what it'll do during its, you know, second weekend, especially with Rock of Ages and um, That's My Boy opening. So that's where we, that's where I, we stand I after the weekend. Right away, when I saw it with the Prague critics, that this is not going to be, uh, uh, you know, a, a wildfire word of mouth movie by any means. I mean, uh, you know, I know that a lot of people that I've heard from, my son included, are very high on this, and they find it fascinating. And he's like, he's going to see it again on in IMAX on Tuesday. Hmm. So it doesn't lack for its uh, partisans or its, uh, you know. But most of the feeling I got from my screening was uh, kind of a little bit of a letdown feeling. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm seeing too. It's either people are, it's it's not quite polarizing in that people are either I hate it or love it. It's more like love it and shrugged it off, not mm-hmm. not quite hate it, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle, I guess, probably closer to shrugging it off. I mean, the the visuals were great, but the story didn't do do much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it does look really good in in IMAX 3D. That's the way I saw it. And uh, it's it's a quite of an experience visually, but yeah, the story falls short. So I mean, you can't. That's the thing, though. In the summer, you can't do that. You can't have a you can't open a movie that gets mixed reactions and then expect to you know hold on to to your audience and, and do well for the next couple of weeks because the competition's coming and it's coming you know hard and fast. Yeah. You know, so it's I, I'm not I don't have very high expectations for it next. Can you list the main competitors coming this coming weekend as well as the following weekend? Well, I mean, yeah, you know, it's Rock of Ages. I don't I don't view that as direct competition because I think that's clearly you know more female skewing. Um, but that's my boy definitely competes with it. I know on the surface it 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 doesn't seem like it should, but. You know that's that's my boy Adam Sandler's core is the eighteen to thirty four males, and that those are the people that are showing up for Prometheus. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's not a good movie to compete against, even though they could be more different. Um, you know, in in the twenty second is Brave, um, and that's that's Pixar. I mean, it's that's four quadrant that hits everything. So um, is Brave you know, next weekend? No, Brave is the twenty second. Okay. Well. I, and this coming weekend, the fifteenth is Rock of Ages, and that's my boy. And then Brave is the twenty second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean Brave is going to be huge. So, yeah, that's... or at least it will be huge. I, I think the opening weekend might be a little bit cautious, but I see it really holding on, like most Pixar movies do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you see it yet, Sasha? No, I, I didn't. I was surprised. It. I have I have a screening invite for um, either next weekend. I can also go see the premiere of it. Um, but Todd McCarthy just put out his review. I was surprised that um, that it came out so early. I didn't even know they were screening it. So um, I think he jumped the embargo, probably. But yeah, Variety and Hollywood Reporter always do. Yeah, I think he did. <laughs> I think he jumped it. But that's okay. I mean, 
you know, the right, I'm just going to say it's not going to be brave. The early word is was confirmed by Todd McCarthy. It's definitely not going to be a Pixar fanboy movie, but that doesn't mean families won't go, won't go see it. You know, box office wise, you know, we can discuss that. But um, I'm just going to be looking at it from a different perspective than the Pixar fanboys because I'm not a Pixar fanboy. <laughs> Did anybody happen to see your sister's sister, which will open this coming weekend? Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, awful movie. Oh. It's awful. How come you, so where did you happen to see it, if I may? I'm so sorry that it's awful, but it's, I just saw it at a screening at some point. I think that they um, invited me because I'm usually the kind of person that's sympathetic to female directors and female-driven stories, and, and I am. It's just not when those stories are sent. And the director, tell, tell the audience the director. Her name Centered is. around um, a male. The, her, it's it's um, Lynn... Shelton, right? Yeah. <laughs> because I got her mixed up with Lynn Ramsey, who is a brilliant director, who directed We Need to Talk About Kevin and is um, just fantastic. She's <clears throat> maybe doing a project with Natalie Portman called um, Janie's Got a Gun, which was written by Brian Duffield, who's Chris Tapley's friend and who's on Twitter. And anyway. Yeah, that sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It sounds great. Um, Lynn Shelton made my, Your Sister's Sister, which is like for me it was like you know I, I i'm sort of trying to do this if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all thing now but that movie was like somebody taking crushed glass and grinding it in my face for two <laughs> i mean it was just so irritating i couldn't stand either of these two women i found it irritating also same thing and the guy was really annoying like why did they like him mark duplass yeah he was such a loser, and to to be Can I going. Ask something? Um, he has Mark Duplass has a, a dear friendship with Emily Blunt, but they have never done the deed. They've never even flirted with them. Right? Come on. Right. So that... he goes up to a, a mountain cabin to kind of get away from from life with his bicycle, and Rosemary Durrett, who is her sister, right, mm-hmm. uh, is staying there, and she's, I forget why she's there. She's recovering from something also, some kind of break. Oh, yeah, she's... Uh, she's a lesbian who's lover. Lesbian. Right, right. And she's broken up with her girlfriend, and she's kind of nursing her wounds. But I guess, you know, she decides to become bisexual well, because Bart Duplass and she start drinking tequila, and they, uh, they, they, they fall into, into bed, and they do it. But you can't go any farther than that because that's a major spoiler. So you can't go any farther than that. Anybody who's going to see this movie, they need to know that there's a lot of surprises ahead, put it that way, and very unrealistic surprises, I might add. Well, here's the thing. Um, he is guilty. He feels guilty, um, Duplass does, about letting Emily Blunt know that he and her sister right. had a moment of passion the night before. He, does, he wants to hide that from her. Because now he knows that she likes him. Huh? Because then when once he finds out that she loves him or whatever, right? Or well, I, I can't remember let's, if let's he... start again. They're not in a relationship. They're, I know, but she at some point confesses that she really does love the guy, right? Not to him. Oh, not to him. So he doesn't know, right? So it's one of those comedy of errors things where people run around and... So, tell me the basis for him being really concerned about her 
under finding out that he and Rosemary Derwitt the night before drunk on tequila. Yeah. Well, it would have been it would have been if it was well written. It would have been ego, and he would have been ousted by the two girls, which is the realistic way it would have gone down. Because once you try to play two women off each other like that, and you operate under you know deceptive, he's he's, he's deceiving both of them. And yeah. once you're exposed for that, you should be out. But, of course, the movie doesn't want it that way. The movie wants him to be a nice guy. So then we have to sit there and endure him for the whole Wait, movie. Wait, what's so awful about getting drunk and having sex with somebody if they're... Exactly. They're really also. But the only thing that was wrong about it was his way of lying about it and, and pretending yeah, that it never happened. that's what I didn't happened. like, the lying. I thought that was awful. I hated that. That was the worst part, right? But, of yeah. course, the movie has to redeem him anyway. Um, but by that point, you already can't stand the guy. And you can't see why these two really great women would be interested in him. Yeah. yeah. So that's the part of the movie that fails is that you don't want your audience to hate your main character. Yeah. You know, you want them to want him to be together with one of the two. But it se- seemed like she sort of fell in love with him along the way or he didn't want to be a bad guy or whatever it was. He needed to be a bad guy. You know, that's the way the story wanted to go. If he was going to feel slightly guilty or acutely guilty about having slept with her sister, they would have to have had some current that had not been acted upon he would have to know we would have to know along with he that there had been a blooming gently gradually blooming romantic vibe going on in which neither of them had you know acted but they kind of knew it was there i didn't get that feeling at all i mean you know so no it was so forced and awful the only good parts of that movie are the the conversations between the two sisters and the first conversation between the guy and the lesbian. You know, okay. the, the real way they talk to each other, it's, it's intriguing. It's just that the movie derails so badly and right. turns into such a bad, <clears throat> badly designed plot that I just walked out of there thinking, <laughs> because I thought it was Lynn Ramsey, thinking, oh, my God, my, one of my favorite directors has just made a terrible movie. But, of course, it wasn't. It's Lynn Shelton. So, um, I know, stupid, stupid, stupid. But... I, I, you know. So, uh, can I ask, uh, uh, Phil, um, is Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter going to compete with Brave? Is it going to not do as well as Brave? What's the projection for that weekend? Uh, no, it's not, it's not even going to be in the same league. I mean, our predictions like around twenty-five, thirty million for Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. and I, I can I won't be surprised if we drop it closer to when that opens. I, every time I've seen that trailer and with an audience it's just confusion people are referring <laughs> to each other like what the hell is that what, what do they mean abraham lincoln vampire it's just a confusing concept it is not even confusing just bizarre concept to a lot of people yeah for and sure i just don't see are you it. telling just... me that people in the average person with a, with a popcorn in, in his or her lap has never <laughs> heard of pride and prejudice and zombies and just making zombies and vampires Interact with famous uh, uh, 19th century and 18th century figures in fiction? I mean, is that something that they haven't heard of, you're telling me? Um, I mean, maybe they've heard of it, but they probably shrugged it off and they're shrugging this off. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a fanboy-friendly concept. Oh, absolutely. You know, people but, who go to the movies five yeah. times a year aren't going to show up for that. Yeah. It's, that's it. I mean, it's just... So, uh, you know, Tim Burton, uh, you know, he's going to be associated with, I think, you know, two duds this summer. Oh, dear. Uh, because he pr- produced that, and then obviously Dark Shadows. People just don't want to go with Abraham Lincoln as an a- as a vampire. That's killer. right. They- okay. Because yeah. he's Abraham Lincoln. He's you know. 
Mm-hmm. They just the, the perception is weird. You imagine this like goofy, stiff guy, mm-hmm. you know, wielding an axe or whatever it is he has. Um, it just doesn't gel in the mind. It, it to, to me, it seems like a parody pro- project. Like if if you were, you know, you were making fun of people at a movie studio and they conceived this idea of Abraham Lincoln vampire. <laughs> that's, to me, that's well, what it yeah, seems it's like. like. You know, something it, it that's another player. Yeah. You feel Phil had looking at the trailer as you have no doubt many times. Yeah, I don't really get a feeling of a comedy. I get a feeling of a kind of a dry comedy in quotes, but not really a comedy, right? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I get that a little bit, and then I get this feeling from it that they're trying to force it into into this action mold. You know, it looks like it's trying to be a stylized action movie, and I just don't think the two things really pair up well. This dry comedy and then this, you know, action these action scenes from the guy who didn't want it you know they look very similar it's it just to me doesn't gel it, it's a very odd combination mm-hmm. yeah you know and and i think people are that's the general reaction out there that the people are just kind of like what the hell is that mm. why we're not you know then nobody's gonna pay you know a lot of people are not gonna pay 15 dollars to see that in 3d all right whatever you know it's and there's still money to be movie besides brave and abraham lincoln and that's called seeking a friend for the end of the world yeah and um does anybody have any premonitions or feelings about that god i just Um, sorry go ahead ahead, no you go ahead phil you go first um yeah i mean it's it'll be a middle of the road kind of thing it's it's counter programming which is always good i mean you know the it's something that you know maybe moviegoers 35 and up who who can't stand you know blockbusters aimed at teen teens can go see so yeah i mean you know modest expectations and, and steve carell is pretty popular so yeah you know, uh, can so. we review what it basically is? is it appears to be deep impact with a love story being the action rather than people preparing for the meteor isn't that pretty much what it is i think so yeah yeah and it, it, you know, in other words, it's going to end with everybody dying from from uh, from a meteor hitting the earth, right? Or there'll be a last minute reprieve, or it'll turn out to be a dream or something. You know, is that what you think is probably that, that they don't? Because there's a woman director, and I would think that she would want to go for the emotional truth. And the point is that we women go for emotional truth. Are you kidding? Women are into fantasy and happy endings. Um, well, but there's if you, if you want to make a generalization. Is that, is that when we are out there looking for love and companionship and possibly somebody to have kids with, we don't have all the time in the world, and that's what this story is about. It's about, you know, if you're going to fall in love uh, and you want to be with somebody, you know, don't pussyfoot around. Get down to it, you know. Be honest, be open, uh, say who you are, what you need, what you feel. You can't mm-hmm. expect going to be here for 70 or 80 or 90 years you might be here only another year who knows you know isn't that what it more or less i know i am still just thinking i could see it turning out i mean how many i don't know who's the money behind this but how many movies do you know that they would take a chance on an unknown director like that to have a total bummer ending you know usually don't they you have to be pretty powerful to be able to get away with that kind of ending where the the world ends so I don't know. I mean, uh, I'll be curious to see. The fact that it's written and directed by a woman make, is the only thing about it that makes me want to see it. Kira Knightley as a love interest for um, Steve Carell doesn't really work yeah. for me. But 
And especially in the the trailer that I've seen where he's carrying her around and stuff like they just not I, I sound like Jeff, but they just seem mismatched. Yeah. But nonetheless, I do have an invitation to see it, um, and so I will be seeing it soon. I think it's part of the L.A. Film Festival, actually. Um, Which starts this coming Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, yeah. so I think that, that that's how I'm going to see it. But it's pretty impressive that, that this woman could get these two big stars to be in her movie. You know? You're not mentioning her name. Her name is Lorene Scafaria. Scafaria. Um, what do you think, where do you, th- you think the accent is on the E as in Scafaria or Scafaria? Scafaria, probably. You're probably right about that. Um, I don't know. She's Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. She wrote that. Right. And she's an ex-actress. Right. Um, this appears to be her first. Yeah, this is her directorial debut. So, wouldn't that be an awfully... Wouldn't that be a, a, like a deplorable cop-out to have somebody, you know... Uh, say that oh we made a mistake the the mid year is going to miss the earth after all that would be horrible that's know? probably how it's going to end so prepare yourself I, yeah I I was thinking the same thing Sasha I agree with you I it's kind of been in the back of my head that that's what's going to happen in yeah. some way it's a pretty ballsy yeah. move to just end the world in a movie I mean it was hard enough just to get um, Thelma and Louise to take a dive over the Grand Canyon but, uh, the poster uh, has them standing with the dog together. And she's holding something. It looks like groceries or, I don't know, something. And you can see the meteor, the, 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 the comet, whatever it is, you know, the, the asteroid plummeting towards Earth behind them. So, and it's, it only seems to be about a mile above the surface. So yeah, and it says, nice knowing you. It's possible that it ends that way. That would be very ballsy. I mean, it is focused features, so maybe they are taking a chance. Yeah. As rated R, I mean, possible. I'll be really impressed if it turns out that um, it's funny how a studio can totally change your mind about a movie. Like fo- the fact that Focus Features is behind this makes it automatically interesting to me, you know, because they don't dabble in crap usually. Yeah. So. And then also, uh, by the way, the uh, the opening film of the LA Film Festival, which I believe I was wrong. It's not Wednesday, I believe, isn't it Thursday? I guess so. I have to look it up. But well, it's Woody Allen's Jerome right. Love. Mm-hmm. Which means that everybody gets to review it that night. <clears throat> Are you going to be back here for that? No, you won't be. No, but I'm. But I've got Dylan or Jet seeing it in New York, and they're going to write a review for me. Oh, great! Okay. Before yeah. they leave for um, for Munich on Friday. And they're both joining you in Munich. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, lovely. So I know this is uh, we, we maybe we shouldn't even talk uh, way at the end of, of June, but Phil, do you have any uh, sense of uh, where uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild or Magic Mike or uh, Take This Wall or any of these uh, smaller films? Uh, actually, Take This Wall has been uh, uh, available um, on demand. So I don't even know if you could call that an opening. But, uh, right. Well, yeah, I mean, but Magnolia has you know basically proven that you know you can. Um, you know, a movie can open on demand and and still do well theatrically because Magnol or um, Melancholia yeah. did well on on both platforms. Right. Um, because you know it, it comes down to, you know, yeah, the the release window should be respected, everything like that. But art house, you know, most of the time these movies only play in New York and LA. There's a lot of people in the middle of the country that don't have access to them, so it is what it is. Um, Magic Mike, I wouldn't call a small movie at all. 
I mean, that, that thing's going to blow the hell up. That's just watch out. I mean, because you've got Channing Tatum, who's red hot after, um, yeah. you know, the vow and 21 Jump Street. Right. This total, this guy that every girl has a crush on. Right. Now he's making a stripper movie. Mm-hmm. Forget about it. It's going to, it's going to destroy. It's yeah. yeah. The, the, that weekend is going to be filled with rabid women. And it's going to be, you know, cheering in the, the audience and everything like that. So, so this is going to be Steven Soderbergh's biggest hit since the Oceans film? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yeah, um, it could it could be Contagion, yeah. Which it's not is going kind to of... Oceans-type money, but it's going to be very, very good for a small indie film. Is that what you're saying? Or are you going to mean it's going to be yeah. bigger than that? Well, no, I mean, it's not indie. Warner Brothers is releasing it. I mean, there, there's nothing indie about it. Um, it it just has his indie kind of yeah uh, sensibility to it, but yeah, no, mm-hmm. not far from an independent movie. And now GI Joe isn't opening that week, any that weekend anymore. So it it, it that clears up just more space. Um, so yeah, that that'll be interesting to see what that. Sasha, does. what are the smart women in your circle? What do they think about Magic Mike? Well, um, I'm not the age demographic for that. I'm older. But maybe there are some women that do. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't heard a single thing about it till this moment. So you're not that old. Or you mean you're telling me that, that women um, of uh, sort of in the mid range are they don't go to strip clubs? You only have to be no. younger. Than- God, are you kidding? Women go to strip clubs? No, but he's. But Phil's right about Channing Tatum being like a certain kind of woman's, you know, beefcake. In my circles, it would be more like. Don Draper, you know, John Hamm, or, you know, those are the kind of guys that... that... Yeah. But yeah, but don't forget, they also have uh, Matthew McConaughey's in it, too. So they're yeah. covering... But, you know, because he's, he's considered, you know, sexy to the, you know, 30 and up crowd. So they've got, right. you know... I think a it'll be a, like a, a fun movie for, yeah. for, like, girlfriends to go see, you know, mm-hmm. like laugh and go see it. Uh, right. from right. what I gather here from this conversation that it would be something that they would think was funny and sexy and you know a fun night out at the movies and I, I, I love, yeah. I, I'm sorry I'm no sorry. I don't know I, I I mean you know there's there's a certain level of that that I that would intrigue me also just a, a, a laughing you know silly part of it that if he really does strip <laughs> But um, I don't know if he does or not, but he's he wouldn't be the guy that I would want to see strip particularly. He's not really my taste, but I'm sure plenty of girls think he's he's hot stuff. So, um, But can we just talk really quickly about the Avengers and Best Picture since Jeff and I both got like a million comments on that? <laughs> um, sure. It was a hot topic. And people, well, you know, on Twitter, I'm being schooled on Twitter by, by critics who have no idea how the Oscar race works right now by saying it's never going to be an Oscar nominee and you don't know what you're talking about. But I tell you what, you know, it's not, yes, I know. I'm, I'm, I haven't even seen it yet, right? That's how much as a movie I don't want to be a Best Picture contender. So it's not like I want it to be. I'm not living in a fantasy world. Um, I think if a movie has the, that good of reviews and it's about to make $600 million, right, Phil? Yeah. It'll, it's going to make six hundred million, right? It's already at five seventy-seven. So yeah, I mean, it's going to have to scratch and crawl, but it'll it'll get there. Yeah, it's yeah because of all the other movies that are opening, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's losing steam fast, but um. But Hunger Games, I mean, seem to be over, and that went over four hundred million. So. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's it you know it hit something you know it hit three seventy-five, and then and then it takes it you know another you know couple weekends to hit. 
400. You know, it's not a yeah. once you hit a certain point, you drop and you drop really fast because it, it all comes down to you. You lose um, locations, and once that starts happening to Avengers, um, you know that's that's what kills the movie. Right, but, but um, I, I'm just I thinking. Know, I mean, ten best yeah, picture right. nominees. Let's say they go with ten. How could you not think Avengers would be one of the ten? Because I still think, even though, well, oh, go ahead, Jeff. I just don't understand why you're even bringing it up. It's not even remotely in, a, in the good enough level to be, you know, you have to have some respect for the idea of what Best Picture means. You can't just say it's for sale because the movie makes a lot of money. Well, the Oscar has a history of awarding films that weren't there just because they made a lot of money. And well, back to, in the day, they didn't have they didn't have movies like Avengers back in the day. We didn't have movies with comic book heroes in them, but we did have Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars and Towering Inferno um, movies that, you know, were huge moneymakers and defined the year. Not only that, the thing about Avengers that is more powerful even than the money is the repeat viewing, is that people love it, is that it's got great buzz and doesn't have the kind of reviews that The Dark Knight had. And The Dark Knight, by they seem to have something against Christopher Nolan, but The Avengers is not a, a, an obscure, nonsensical Christopher Nolan movie, right? It's pretty traditional. There are going to be a lot of people who say, who stand behind it. Period. I don't the know. End. I mean, I understand the, you know, you get this topic out there, but I, I really can't. I know you well enough, and I know your 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 perceptive powers well enough that you're not serious in saying. I don't say when I'm talking about best picture. I don't. I say half what I think should be nominated, which is Beasts of the Southern Wild. Half what I and half what I think will get nominated. Um, Moonrise Kingdom was not my favorite movie of the year, but coming out of Cannes, that had the best best picture potential of all of them, especially if it does any kind of money like uh, um, Midnight in Paris did. But um, but you'd have to be an idiot not to look at Best Picture ten and the Avengers making six hundred million dollars and it being as popular as it is with a ninety something Rotten Tomatoes rating to not consider that to be one of the 10 best picture contenders, not five, but 10. If they go down to five, there's no way, right? Yeah. But, you know, you have a a little bit of higher cred with Josh Josh Whedon than you would with just any old Joe Blow who directed it, like Tate Taylor with the help or, you know, he's not a nobody. He's got a, oops, someone's at the door. I don't know. I hope it's not my murderer. Hold on a second. You guys, I have to go. It's a package, right? Yeah, but let's just say goodbye or I can call you back. Well, let's say goodnight. Okay. Can, nice talking with you guys. Pick up next weekend and uh, good talking to you guys. And, nice uh, talking to you too. Okay. Okay. Nice you guys. All right. Bye. You've been listening to episode 81 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com. Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast. And the bumper music today was Death to My Hometown by Bruce Springsteen and Dance Me to the End of Love, Leonard Cohen cover by The Civil Wars. Thanks for listening. Dance me to
Mm-hmm.